So Money Episode 853, Dr. Anna Kabeka, author of The Hormone Fix. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Resentment is lack of self-care. You know, we have that. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to put our own oxygen mask on first. And we always hear that expression, but it really is critical because we have to fill our tank up and physiology drives our behavior. Our guest today went from being nearly a broke single mother to creating a seven-figure business. Unable to solve her own health problems, she set out on a journey to discover how to recapture her well-being and create a new thriving business in the process. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest today is Dr. Anna Kabeka. She's a triple board certified OBGYN physician who found herself feeling exhausted, depressed, and diagnosed with early menopause at the young age of 38. Despite being a physician, she was unable to solve her own health problems and her colleagues didn't have viable solutions either. In our conversation, she talks about her journey to reclaiming her health as well as her happiness and how through this process of self-discovery, she's been helping other women along the way. Here's Dr. Anna Kabeka. Dr. Anna Kabeka, welcome to So Money. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. It is wonderful to be here with you. Well, you're here because you have an exciting book out called The Hormone Fix, which just came out yesterday. But also, you are such a leader in your space as a women's health expert, an OBGYN, and also your money story, your background, your upbringing is, um, I think, uh, truly exemplary and something that I think a lot of us listening will love to hear. I loved hearing just even a little bit about it uh, as we were arranging this interview, um, you know, growing up as a first generation. American, your single momhood and all of that. So lots to unpack uh, in the next 30 minutes. Are you ready? <laughs> I am ready. I am ready. I have to tell you that, you know, this is this is a new journey for me to speak about that. But I was mm-hmm. so inspired by your podcast and conversation and just think how you really um, listen to people. And it's not you listen, not just to what we say, but what's not said too. And that's the skill. And I was, okay, well, that made me reflect on my financial upbringing and really the power of it and, or how I've been empowered from it. Well, that's really nice to hear. Thank you. No one's ever really said that to the extent that, you know, I, I discovered the things that aren't being said. I don't know if that's like my a special skill or, or just years of journalism training. But um, yeah, this is a, a special show. And I'm really grateful for the guests like you who come on in our game and are, are willing to kind of go there um, and unpack the, the, the stories to um, inspire listeners and myself included. Your book, Let's Start There, is brand new, The Hormone Fix. And Tell us about what you hope this book will deliver for readers. As we were about to record, I said to you, this this book really hits home, not personally, but I have friends who are going through early menopause, say, in their late 30s. Not something you ever anticipate and can really throw a wrench in your life plans, having children. What do you hope this book will offer readers? 
Yeah, I think exactly that hope. I really, I, I went through menopause at 38. I was given the diagnosis as already an Emory University trained board certified gynecologist and obstetrician. I was told that my hormones were a mess. I was in complete menopause. and I would never be able to have another child. My only option to look at was egg donation because my ovaries were non-responding, the highest doses of infertility med. And if, and that's devastating. That devastated us upon devastation. And, and from there, you know, went on to reverse menopause, find the answers holistically, and became pregnant at age 41 spontaneously. And that child, her name's Ava Marie, and she's now almost 11. I'm almost 40, 53. So it, it's been a journey. Ava Marie, the miracle child, or so you yes. thought, but but not miraculous. You really, um, in this book and and in your own life, practiced what you call these holistic steps to to get to achieve your goals. What are some of those holistic steps? What are some of the things that women and and couples overlook as they're trying to fight these odds? I think the first thing that I realized, especially with my now near 30 years of clinical experience, is that it takes more than hormones to fix your hormones. So sometimes we think, okay, the hormones are the answer. And I, you know, I jokingly say, well, if that was the case, then everyone on thyroid meds would be thin, right? And we know that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So it just takes more than hormones to fix our hormones. And there are major hormones and minor hormones. And sometimes our focus is, is on the wrong place. And so in my journey, what I learned, and I call this my keto green way, I learned to honor our nature. I learned to honor periods of feasting and fasting and also the importance of of the greens, essentially. I call it keto green for a reason, the alkalinizers that empower detoxification from our liver to keep our hormones coming in and out safely. And that was part of my journey. Like and and after now being triple board certified, right? Continuing to look for answers in any way that I can find them. I recognize that it really is in the individual's control. And I like to say 90% of it's in the patient's control because I want to keep 10% for myself. But reality, it's probably like 99.999% is in each of our controls. And to empower health to reverse some of the changes that are happening to us prematurely, like early menopause. Why does early menopause happen? Is it... uh... Is it mostly um, hereditary or what is it environmental? What, what's going on? Yes, <laughs> I think it, it, there's a combination of reasons, but stress is a big one too. For me, it was post-traumatic stress and it was understanding the cortisol and oxytocin connection. And I talk about that in my book in detail, but it was understanding how stress can impact our hormones and environmental toxins can impact our hormones. And so looking at that in my practice, when clients would come in with complaints of PMS, irritability, mood swings, irregular cycles, and I jokingly say, but it's actually true, if you hate your husband two weeks out of the month, it's probably your hormones and not necessarily your husband type phenomena, right? Like we just don't feel ourselves and that can be cyclical. Hot flashes, brain fog. We don't have to experience brain fog. I know I've been there and it's lifted. And and those, those are just Im- inflammation, hormone imbalance, and adrenal dysfunction. I call that the devil's triad. Those three things, hormone imbalance, inflammation, and adrenal dysfunction. Those three things combined 
really affect our hormone responses and especially our reproductive hormones, estrogen, testosterone being those reproductive hormones. And they're kind of at the bottom of the change chain. And so, for example, if we're stressed, our body's going to go towards the production of the stress-fighting hormone cortisol, which has a good side and a bad side. But as a consequence to that, estrogen and testosterone aren't as abundant or as produced. They're production suppressed. And so recognizing that and clearing up our hormone receptors and improving our body's natural hormone production is one of the first ways to help reverse those changes and really the most impactful way. Where are these answers? You were already a doctor at the point where you were diagnosed with early stage menopause. And you, as I understand, went out and sought the answers. Where are these answers? Are people going also to the wrong places to get information? Well, I, you know, I think part of my journey was that, that early, you know, the PTSD, the trauma, the early menopause, the desire to have another child and to actually seek answers. Exactly. I went around the world looking and I continue to search, you know, I'm a researcher and I have to understand the why. Um, I fought with this for a long time thinking, okay, well, everyone should know what I know, right? You probably get that way too. It's like, okay, well, I've done all this, you know, and and everyone should know this. And then conversations come up. You're like, no one knows this. We need to get this information out. And that's, I'm passionate about getting that information out. And that's what I put it in the book because we need that empowerment. Money is a huge source of stress. It's maybe considered to be the biggest source of stress, depending on who you ask. And then, of course, stress leads to health problems. And I think it's the number one cause of heart health issues. And and so this let's transition to money a little bit um, and maybe first ask wh- where you see money fitting into this big um, puzzle piece of of uh, reproductive health, of, of health in general, um, in your practice, does it come up? What are people stressed about? Is there, is there a connection between managing your money, getting that sorted to, to relieve yourself of the stress to then be able to be open to some of this other kind of therapy? Yeah, I think there's, there's so many aspects to this. When, you know, I look at that and I think about my own money journey, right? It's important. Like, we have, you know, quality money for quality health. And one of the things that I tell my clients is that, you know, when you have your health, you have a million wishes. When you don't have your health, you only have one wish. And so that's a, a, a beautiful saying to inspire us. Okay, we have to prioritize our health and stress, stress about anything, stress about money, et cetera, causes an impact on our health. The most important and valuable thing that we have along with our relationships. But stress also breaks up our relationships, causes us to burn out of things that we've loved doing, of people we've loved doing them with, of occupations and hobbies we've had. Stress causes this oxytocin cortisol disconnect, that love disconnect, that breakdown. My clients would tell me, and I heard this over and over and I experienced it. It's like, I think I love my, I know I love my husband. I just don't feel love for them. That's that oxytocin disconnect. When we're burnout, and cortisol is low and oxytocin is low on the same time. And I describe it as, you know, um, 
like say, for example, how it feels like you go into a restaurant or the grocery store and you see people you've known even for years and you're like, I don't see anyone. I'm invisible. No, you know, no one's here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just that disconnect or, you know, that loneliness bringing inwards, um, being more isolated. And especially as we're getting older, we see that being experienced more and more. And that's where pets are important. That's where community is mm-hmm. important. That's where relationships are important. And so, so if we're stressed about money or if we're stressed about our children or if we're stressed about our own health, I mean, we have to, what I've recognized in, and I've gone through, you know, going from a, um, immigrant family to um, being, well, being first generation America, American and growing up in a very rural area and then going to be a, you know, great, very busy, successful physician and then to redefining myself. And I've experienced the stresses in different ways of financial, um, near financial bankruptcy and how that can affect us. And I reflected because of, of, anticipating our conversation today of what was the shift that I made in my thinking to really turn that success back around. So before and, you answer that, let's give listeners a little bit more context from about where you came from and your your background. And you mentioned a little bit about growing up first generation American. I understand that you speak or I don't know if you speak all three languages, but you grew up in a multilingual home, French, Arabic, Portuguese. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I try to speak all three. French is probably my best. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Your dad was a war, World War II veteran. He worked two jobs to raise you. You started working at around 13 years old. And then you went on to adulthood. You uh, became a physician and then a, st- a single stay-at-home mom of four. Um, walk me through that timeline a little bit. Fill in some of those blanks and, and maybe uh, identify some of the the moments that were really critical as far as your, um, your financial mindset, the shaping of your money mindset. Yeah. It's fascinating to think about because, you know, growing up and my mom would say champagne taste, beer budget. Right. And, um, my mom is Middle Eastern. My dad, I say that too. I think it's a Middle Eastern thing. (laughs) It must be. It's a great, I, I keep trying to use that on my daughters. Um, but I, uh, I tell, I tell my, um, so I grew up in this in this household where you know it I never knew that we didn't have money right and and turns out my dad made seventeen thousand dollars a year raising a family of five and and was navy retired world war two and from whenever I could remember he worked two jobs so at age thirteen with that champagne taste beer budget, just started working, just started working you know, for um, some of the work that my dad would bring home from his manufacturing company that he was managing. And we would work on, I would work on that, not my brothers, but I would work on that and, and just start saving money and saving money for travel. Cause my mom said, travel is your best education and learning the languages that people speak is a way to understand the person and the culture. And so my, at 13, I bought, I worked for my first plane ticket. At 16, I went overseas with my first, with my second plane ticket and stayed with family in the Middle East and, and Greece and traveled. And I just started that. So I would say it would work to save money. And, and that was my mindset at, from when I can remember, except when, until I went to medical school, I always worked a job and studied. And before I went, when I graduated high school, I worked um, for the U.S. Navy 
and in, in exercise physiology and hyperbaric medicine research and diving medicine. And so my research drive and love was already there. But I was really an advocate for women's health. So that took me to medical school and then to residency at Emory and, you know, just piling on, always working to try to stay ahead. And I did get National Health Service Corps scholarships through medical school. So I was blessed to come out only with $100,000 in loans. Only. But only. Mm-hmm. And and then I trained at Emrank. You know, when you're in residency, you're you're making 30000 or something a year. If you're lucky, 30000 40000 and working 80 hours a week to 100. And and so I, I began practice in St. Simons Island, Georgia, and it was my initial experience right into small town medical practice, which is something I always wanted to do. And I built up a business. I created a medical spa. I really gave back, had this rural practice and the local um, uh, town practice. And so I had both kind of like my mission practice and my regular practice and medical spa. And that was phenomenal. And then, um, you know, then uh, we had a significant trauma in our life. And that took me into just um, a journey, that journey with the complete irreversible menopause that we were hmm. told that I had on that journey around the world. So, you know, we had been able to save money. So we used that and we traveled and I did home exchanges. And again, because travel was the best education. And for me, I just knew I needed to keep the earth moving under my feet. And Farnoosh, I jokingly say, man, I I went around the world to learn the saying that everywhere you go, there you are. Right, right. Everywhere you go, there you are. There you are. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm listening to you, I'm curious, especially... I want to learn more about the phase when you became a single mom, because I think that that is a real, I mean, it can be really devastating not to mention, you know, so many children um, that you're responsible for. You're going through your own emotional journey with that. And then on top of it, you got to like be strong for your family, make the money. What, what got you through that? Yeah. Yeah. And I was always, you know, primary, the primary breadwinner for my family. And after I became pregnant with Ava Marie at age 41, I mean, after our trauma, I, our relationship, my marriage with my husband struggled and I felt this disconnect, but I didn't have words to it, nor did I understand the physiology at the time. But we knew we wanted to stay together. Well, that didn't work out. So at age 42, 43, I became a single mom. And I recognize now, again, what I talk about so emphatically in my book, The Hormone Fix, and and, in so many programs and classes I teach, is that there's that physiologic disconnect where we don't feel connected anymore. And I I put it in the words sometimes to understand that resentment is lack of self-care. You know, we have that. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to put our own oxygen mask on first. And we always hear that expression, but it really is critical because we have to fill our tank up and physiology drives our behavior. So in the flip side, we have to use our behavior to then improve our physiology. And that realization was powerful. So post-divorce, again, you know, primary breadwinner, et cetera, I'm paying alimony and child support and, and all of those things that come with it and running a business on my own without the support at that point. And it was just, you know, my PTSD just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I, um, I closed my practice 
I went on a sabbatical and, um, you know, you know how that income stops, but the expenses keep going. So that was a journey into near, near bankruptcy. And I was fortunate to have additional um, staff that nurse practitioners that worked for me. And um, eventually I had a, um, a slowly closed off and started transitioning my practice, living off my savings for a while and creating, I had already created some of my products that had helped me reverse my menopause and helped me balance my hormones. So that's my Mighty Maca Plus product. And then I created another product called Jolva for women. And so I started working, just focusing on that and recognizing that in order for me to be centered, to have a opportunity to enjoy life to its fullest, it was to center some self-healing aspects for me. And so that's part, that was part of my journey is looking at here are my children post-divorce were struggling as teenagers where, you know, there was a barrier between them and me sometimes with the two that were teenagers and one in elementary school and one had, um, already, um, gone, you know, traveled off on her own, she's oldest. And, and so I needed to magnetize them back to me. And in order to have that healthy relationship, I had to focus on healing myself. And when we are able to heal ourselves and improve our energy and stop this crazy cortisol or this everyday stress or, or post-traumatic stress or, you know, the early menopause symptoms with the hormone declines, we're able to then magnetize healthy relationships. So through minimalizing, you know, uh, I moved out of my big home, rented a smaller home, and just started minimalizing. And then I had help. We had two hurricanes. So I ended up um, getting rid of 80% of my belongings. And then I say, God moved me with his hand back into my home, my um, big home on St. Simon's Island. But yet I was minimalistic. And at that point, I made a conscientious effort. My business was, you know, hanging in there um, on its my entrepreneurial business, my programs, because I always had a message to teach. And I just put them online so that I felt that clients were getting empowered with the messages and programs that I was teaching and the products. But going to simplify my life was really key. And then also tithing to really commit to a charity and to start building on that charity, no matter what, no matter what bills were coming my way, just to really commit to that charitable contribution and simplifying my life. And it has turned around. In the last year, my business grew 244%. My children are all around me. You know, it's a blessing. I feel that this transition has really been the culmination of an experience you know, several stages of this experience to learn from the physiology of what happened to the way my my feelings were, emotions were tied to my physiology and to be able to create practices and principles and put them in place simply and simplify so that my quality of my relationships and my health would be and is better than ever. It sounds like you were opening up space in your life to bring in the good stuff to bring in the yeah. healing, to make room for the healing, as opposed to just trying to layer that onto an already hectic situation. Yeah. And so then it, it was like, okay, kind of forced to do it at the beginning, 
but then conscientiously focusing on doing that and putting those practices in place to keep minimalistic and focused on the things that are most important to me in my life. This is such good stuff. My goodness, Anna. I mean, do you feel like what's left for you to accomplish at this point? Is there anything you can't do? Well, I'm looking for the New York Times bestseller list. (laughs) I'd love to be on there with the Hormone Fix. And I think it's just that continuing to find, create products and develop programs. But really what I want to say is that I want to create solutions for people so that they feel empowered and to get the message across so people feel empowered of taking charge of their own health that really believe that they can be better tomorrow than they are today. And by focusing on those things that are most important to them, simplifying out all the chaos, simplifying out all the shiny objects, like, of you know, just really focusing on what's important, that we can accomplish that. And we can accomplish the peace internally that is, is just treasure, you know, the joy, the peace, the love, the connections, the community. What is something that you do as a habit? I know in wellness, it's really all about doing the good things over and over again, creating rituals, starting with the way that you um, think and the the mindset that you have, shifting a lot of that to uh, be more a healthier mindset. But in your financial life, what is something that you practice that you think has been very helpful in in relieving some stress? Definitely tithing. So, you know, really having a charity that we love to give to. I think that's been, because that's a priority. It's like, oh, I keep wanting to fund that. You know what I mean? And so there's that aspect that I really, I really like and I value and has driven us in purpose. We actually fund a home, we've developed and fund a home for girls of of human trafficking and they're ages 12 to 17. And now one of my daughters goes and teaches them art classes and we really have um, developed that. So that's been, that's been a blessing to us in so many ways. So I look at that. And the other thing I do financially is prioritize, is prioritize the wants from the needs and, you know, what it means. And I also keep my buckets of income. So now I created, you know, your, my, you know, wealthy travel bucket. I created my wealthy education bucket. I created, you know, we have our charity bucket and then we have our, you know, um, reserve and having that reserve is huge. I mean, I paid off my house this year. I have no debt. Thank you. And, um, and it's been liberating. So for me, those things have really taken the pressure off and I feel like I can enjoy what I do and continue to give and serve fully without concern. Well, congratulations to so much. But today is the, se- the second day that your book is out and I'm um, sending good vibes for that New York Times bestseller list. <laughs> Dr. Anna Kobeka, thank you so much. To learn more about Dr. Anna, visit drannacabeca.com. She's also on Twitter at Anna Kabeca. If you missed any of this, just head over to somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh, by the way, when you're there, because that's where you can ask me your money questions for our Friday episodes. Also there, let me know if you'd like to co-host the Friday episodes. Join the mic, share the stage, go through some of our listeners' questions, weigh in, get to connect. It's a lot of fun. Hope to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money.